I'm Greg Kalin, co-founder and chief strategy and growth officer of Prosperity Behavioral Health. I'm here with Mike Lifshots, who is the CEO of Hatch Compliance and my good friend to talk about the State of Addiction Treatment webinar um, that we had the pleasure of watching on Wednesday, March 22nd. Um, this was a really great event put on by Dreamscape Marketing. Um, the moderator was Glenn Hadley from Dreamscape and the guests were a really great collection of um, experts in different areas of the behavioral health and addiction field. Um, so we had Bethany Nelson from NATAP. We had Dexter Braff from the Braff Group, Christy Cessna from Integrative Life Network, Tani Weiner from Polsonelli, uh, Emily Bylan from Dreamscape Marketing. I noticed that Dreamscape snuck one of their own on here as a panelist. Um, ben Dittman from Kipu and Michelle Mullaney from my own Prosperity Behavioral Health. Um, so it was a really great discussion amongst these experts about a lot of different areas in the field. And um, Mike and I are here today to talk about our thoughts, our reactions, because um, there's a lot of a lot of meat to unpack here. For sure. Thank thank you, Glenn. Or Glenn. Glenn is the, <laughs> Glenn is the, oh, uh, is the host. And you know what's funny is I, for the longest time, I couldn't get the difference between you and Glenn. And I would a call A couple you, of handsome but, guys with dark hair and beards, you know. Hey, man, you know, it's uh, I, I miss having hair. I, I remember <laughs> those days. So, uh, no, that's, that's great. I, I thought it was a really good event, too. I really enjoyed listening to it. Um, you know, I think that we're finally understanding that we're all in this together and that this industry is so siloed as it is. And it's awesome to see people from different areas, different non-competing solutions, sometimes competing solutions, sharing input, thoughts, ideas on what can make the industry better. I, I love that we're doing these and that they're doing them. Um, I'd love to see it more often. And I think it would be also more beneficial to have it in a more long kind of format where people are able to go into a little bit more depth onto their ideas of solutions and we could start working on solutions. I, I thought it was a little bit short and obviously you people don't have the whole day to spend doing this, but I would love to see it go and to see people go into more detail as to their ideas. Cause we all admit that there are a lot of changes that need to happen. How do we make those changes? What changes are going to be effective and I think this is a great start having these panels. Yeah, you know, I think, Mike, it's a, it's a really good uh, point about the length and the format. I think that everybody loves a webinar. They're easy um, in the sense that you don't have to travel to them. You can take an hour out of your day. You can listen to it while somebody, you know, while you're doing something else with the other half of your brain. Um but I think you're right that it's it's a tough format to really dig into a lot of detail and 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 get to the heart of the matter. I think especially one where like the topic it's a it's a very important topic. It's a great topic, the state of addiction treatment, right? But it's so broad um, that it's really tough in one hour to to drill into a level of detail that that um, uh, that will be beneficial because I think. Mm. You know, one of the things that I really noticed, and I, I definitely picked this up early on, um, you know, when Bethany was talking about some of the different, you know, trends that we're watching in the space. And there was some commentary from Ben um, that I really liked about, he used this phrase, the like harmonizing data. Mm -hmm. 
Um, to me, one of the one of the overarching takeaways from this panel, and it's something that I've heard people talking about in the industry now uh, recently, the last few months, increasingly, is the complexity and the interconnectedness of all of these different areas in a behavioral healthcare business or or you know treatment organization. You are you know the the days when these were simple, straightforward businesses and there were one or two or three things you really needed to focus on in order to get it right and succeed, those days are gone um, because, you know, because the payers are behaving differently, because the regulators are behaving differently, because the customer base is getting more educated, because the market is getting more competitive. All kinds of reasons are driving this that being successful in behavioral healthcare is a lot harder and more complicated and requires mastery of a lot of different areas now um, that that we really need to be digging into and helping people um, understand and attack in a professional organized way, I think. I agree. I, I think what I have a lot to unpack on, on that, but I, I think, you know, kind of bringing it back to the beginning uh, um, of it being so broad. I love this as a um, as a thought provoking exercise to bring awareness to the issues that people are having. What I would love to see is someone like Doug from uh, HMP or Invest or, or Behavioral Health Business. You know any of these people who would allow a, a, a room or something at one of their conferences each day maybe a couple hours, whatever it is, breakout session where we can say, these are the top five big issues in the industry. At each conference, we're going to bring now, now NATAP seems to, to have their figure on what is going on and, they, and they've got a lot of good ideas. It would be really good, especially since they're doing uh, you know lobbying and, and uh, advocacy for policy that you bring policymakers or you bring other people that have the power, bring the people that have the power to make those choices and those decisions and those changes into these rooms. And let's all talk and collaborate on making some change with people who are able to. We we also, I think, need to get our message on the same page, you know, standardize. What is the message that that we're all? What are the things that we're all trying to solve? And then let's work towards solving them. You know. Yeah, I mean, I think I think the like the word that you're making me think of is is collaboration, um, and it's something that I think historically our industry has not done that well. Is um, working together for a common goal. I think there's a lot of competition that happens and I understand that, right? Like, you know, each of us, right. Uh, hatch and prosperity both have competitors in the industry. Um, and all of our treatment center clients also have competitors down the block or who, you know, who are doing the same thing that they're doing. Um, and so competition is a natural thing to, to exist and to feel, but I think at the same time, your point is a good one. And I think that this type of a, a webinar, this group of people really illustrates this well, that ultimately what we are all trying to do is to help more people get better and heal from addiction. Um, and the, you know, what I always say is that, I mean, I say this about about our, our competitors, Prosperity's competitors, 
there are thousands and thousands and thousands of treatment centers out there and prosperity isn't going to be the right fit for all of them. And so we're going to have other people who do what we do, who are, who are the right fit for some folks that we're not the right fit for. And the same thing is true for patients who are seeking treatment. There are millions of people who need help and not all of them are going to be right for every single treatment center. And so there is so much common ground that we can find around this shared mission of helping these behavioral health businesses succeed for us vendors. And the reason why we're doing that is to help more people get treatment and get well. Um, and so I think that there is this, it's a great industry in the sense that there is this shared purpose. There's a common sense of mission. Um, but I think sometimes that's that's blocked by this competitive instinct. And so I, I like to see um, folks like this get together, share knowledge, share experience, um, for the, for the common good to help, to, you know, to help the tide rise and, and lift everyone up. You know, it kind of comes back to, to the outcomes and data collection and compliance, you know, joint commission is doing a lot around social determinants of health. The insurance payers are, um, healthcare equity where, you know, the, uh, the staff, how does your staff relate to your clientele and, and demographic in a demographic manner. And you have to kind of look at those things because it's interesting. We had that panel just the other day and, and Glenn, Glenn Hadley was talking about the, what populations are you good at and right. what are you not? Right. And I think if we understand what our mission is and that we are not the right fit for everybody, that each of our facilities, each of our businesses are not the right fit for everybody, then what it allows us to do is to get more people help because they're able to then not get clouded by what's not the right fit. And that's something that I think could potentially improve as we shift into a value-based care model, because people are going to be turning away the clients that are not the good fit because they're not going to get the results and they know it. And if you're pulling data together and you're actually looking at what you're doing, you can figure out very quickly and very clearly, you know, what, what happens. It's, you know, kind of to segue onto the next um, part, you know, what, what they were talking about, I found, found was pretty interesting was, you know, Ben from Kipu had a really good point about harmonizing data. And, it's not just harmonizing the data, it's operationalizing the data. And before we can do that, we have to impress upon people the importance of collecting data and, and, and looking at it. And one of the things that, that I caught, and I believe it was Christy in, this, um, in that webinar, and she was talking about uh, it, it being a big lift in the beginning. And it is, you know, if you're used to doing things on paper or if you're used to doing things in a certain manner, it's really hard to switch. It's, right. It can be expensive, but it's time consuming and it's difficult and it's stressful. But the idea is that once it's implemented, it works and, and it rises, it, it'll raise all, all, 
of the um, the areas in the industry, you know, or what are the, I'm terrible with these expressions today. I, I think I must have my coffee ran out a little it's, while it's, ago. Maybe. It's late afternoon. It's you know we're it's it's been a long week. A, uh, a rising tide lifts all ships. There we go. Exactly. So uh, yeah, I, I think that, that this is we're in a really interesting time in this industry. Well, look, and, I, I sorry, I don't mean to cut you off. Go ahead. Well, I just I, I just wanted to pick up on your point about data because I think that really we I think you're right that this is an inflection point right now in the industry with respect to data and the power of data. And I think that um, a number of different panelists in the webinar talked about this in different ways. Um, but but to me, the thing that's fascinating, and you were just talking about this around the sort of the outcomes measurement and the value based you know constructs. The thing that's fascinating to me is that. Um, there are, there is so much data being generated, um, already. And, and there's, you're absolutely right that there is more that we can be capturing, but, but what I always tell people is every time you enter an invoice into your accounting system, every time you punch into your HR system, every time you put a note into your EMR system, every time you submit a claim to the insurance company from your billing system, you are creating data. And what historically has been true in this industry is that that data just goes into a void right? Like that data is created and no one ever looks at it. It sits in the database of your system, ADP or Collaborate MD or whoever it is, and no one ever looks at it. And the thing that I think people are beginning to realize is how powerful that data is. And so people are starting to look at it. They're starting to look at their cost structure and understand how to run their business more efficiently. They're starting to look at their, um, you know, their, for example, their compliance uh, data and how to mitigate risk of, you know, audits and licensure issues. Um, the one place I'm, as I'm saying this, the one place where people have been using data more robustly for a longer period of time is actually on the marketing side. Sure. Most, most of our organizations that we work with have a CRM, they use the CRM, they have a call tracking system and, and they have pretty decent data on the marketing side. But that sort of is now slowly trickling through the rest of the organization. Um, and people are thinking about other kinds of data in the same way. That is what's happening now. And I think what the panelists were talking about, that's a big sort of um, thing that I'm excited about, is the next phase of that evolution, which is not just looking at the data that's coming out of your financial system or your HR system, but putting that data together to use, again, I really like the phrase that Ben used, harmonizing that data mm -hmm. um, so that you can, and, and what I say, I like to use the sort of mathematics concept, the, the benefits aren't linear, they're exponential. So for every two data sources that you can merge together, you're not getting two plus two, you're getting two times to the, you're doing, getting two squared. In that right. in the case of two, it happens to be that both of those equal four, but uh, it's not three plus three, it's three times three. Sure, um, sure. So, but so, so, you're, so, so what I'm excited about is to see over the next couple of years, I think a, a an emerging trend is going to be, and the panelists all talked about this in different ways. How do you, how do you put this data together and think about it in, in context in order to really explode the value? So- we got to take a pause so I can get on my soapbox. 
So g- give me one. Second. All right, I'm going to go. I'm hopping on my soapbox here. In order to use data and for the data to be effective, it has to be relative. Your data has to be comparable to other providers. I'm going to step off my soapbox now. It has to be relative. And if you are creating your own data points, that's okay internally. But if you want better payout, if you want better support, if you want industry to evolve, there needs to be standardization. And we need to be looking at the same data points. So, you know, and and even having some sort of a glossary of terms where everybody's using similar terminology, we go, you know, we set up people's EMRs, you know, all the time. And we see, you know, some people just whether it is a behavioral health technician or a recovery advocate or whatever, you know, people are calling it from the names of staff to the different types of training that people are taking to the, the um, different outcomes measures that people are taking. Everybody is modifying, you know, um, our software, we've got 400 successful surveys between Joint Commission, CARF, State, CMS, yet 50% of organizations want to modify it and make it custom to collect whatever data points they want. What they don't realize when they do that is they pull themselves out of the pool and they don't, their data is not comparable to anybody. So if they want to get a better payout or if they want to see how a better adherence to compliance equals better outcomes or whatever it may be, it becomes impossible to do that. And I mean, if you look at standardization as, you know, as a whole, and again, I, I can stand on this soapbox all day, every state has different requirements. At least take clinical, you know, your clinical documentation and standardize what needs to be done, what assessments needs to be done, what timeframes they need to be done. And, and this way, at least you have your standard documentation. If you want to leave your environment of care or other things to the state to decide, that's cool. But I remember, you know, Renee was on a panel recently in, um, in Fort Lauderdale and the former drug czar from the U.S. was on there, uh, Jim Carroll was his name. And he was talking about um, regulation and, and, and the federal government stepping in on things. And we're not necessarily saying the federal government needs to get involved, but if it's enough of an issue, there needs to be a, a, a national push. We did it with ASAM. You know, it can be done. And, and I think that is going to be a key to us evolving and becoming a, a more well-respected area of healthcare is there has to be standard protocols and standard data collected and evaluation of standard data. Now I'm going to step off my soapbox. Well, well, I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll jump up on, on there after you, Mike. All right. Right. On. Like I, 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 so I have, I have a lot of thoughts related to what you were just talking about, but I'll start with this idea of standardization, which I totally agree with. I, I always like to think about language, right? Like, um, I'm a student of language. I like I like language. I'm I, I'm I read. I write. 
Um, and, and one of the things for me that I, that I often think about is if we don't agree on the definitions of the words that we're using, then we can't communicate with them. Yep. Um, and so it's, it's, it's funny because it's actually a, something that we've been focused on at Prosperity really recently because we just acquired um, Elevated Billing in Utah. They have a phenomenal team, a great group of customers. We are really excited to be working with them. Um, and we're going through right now what any two companies go through when you do an acquisition or a merger, which is an integration process. And as like one of the first things that we did in that integration process was we looked at the language that we were using in each organization for the same things. And mm. in, in a lot of cases, we were using different language. Just to take one example, in at Elevated, the department that is responsible for obtaining uh, authorizations for treatment was referred to as the auth department. At Prosperity, that department was referred to as the Utilization Review Department. In order for those two departments to come together and develop a common culture and a you know, unified team, the first thing you have to do, or certainly one of the first things you have to do is decide what are they going to be called? What What's are the we going language? to call each other? Yeah. Right? So, so that was one of the first things that we did as part of our integration process is to look at the language that we're using and 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 harmonize it, unify it so that we can communicate effectively across the organization. I think that that's just a metaphor for this broader need for standardization and, you know, having a common language in how we talk about this stuff. Yeah. Um, I think another thing that you said that I wanted to come back to is the idea of sort of um, the relative data, looking at data on a relative basis. And there's a lot of different ways to look at data on a relative basis. You can look at it relative to other people, look at it relative to your peers. You can look at it relative to yourself over time. You can, so there's a, there are different ways to think about looking at relative data. But when you said that, it made me think of something that my co-founder Aaron always likes to say about KPIs, which is that KPIs are only as good as the action you take based on them, right? The data on its own is it can be very pretty to look at, it can be very interesting, but if you don't use it to take action and change your organization in response to it, it's really not providing you any value. And, and to me, one of the most important prerequisites to being able to take action based on your data is to understand how, like, is to, is to understand a comparative, you know, a comparative benchmark relative to what? Um, right. So, so you could tell me, for example, um, I actually have a friend right now who is going through a salary negotiation, totally different field. He's in academia. Um, he's going through a salary negotiation and, um, he got an offer, uh, for X, right? And the question he has to ask himself is, okay, is X an appropriate salary in a vacuum? How can he know if X is an appropriate salary or not? He can't. So he has to find things to compare it to. What am I making today? What do other people in the industry make? What does this university pay their other professors? You know, all of that, those data points are important for him to then be able to make a decision about what action is he going to take? How is he going to negotiate right. this job offer? Is he going to take it? Is he going to ask for more? And, and so you need to understand, um, like your point about relative benchmarking, I think is just so, so important. Um, because data in a vacuum isn't really that useful. What you right. need is data in context in order to actually take some, make some decisions and take some action based on that. Yeah, I agree. You know, it's funny. I have, I bought this beautiful chainsaw 
last year. Um, as it was going into the fall, I bought this great chainsaw. I was all excited about it. You know, it has all the features that you can imagine. And the the branches are still on the trees. <laughs> I never used it. And, um, you know, it just it kind of made me think of that when you were talking about, you know, yeah, you can have the best data in the world. You can have all kinds of things. But if you're not using it, you know, it's sitting in the garage. It's, it's a tree dust. falling in the forest. Yeah, yeah. Does it make a sound? <laughs> Depends if you use the chainsaw or not. <laughs> well, I guess, well, my trees are going to make a sound because I have not used the chainsaw yet, but I'm really excited that I got it. And I spent a lot of time researching and figuring out which one to get. So, um, yeah, you know, I, I, I think that's really, uh, that's really indicative of, of so much of this is, are we using the tools that we have? You know, we have so many tools. We were talking about that. You know, they talked about this on, uh, you know, also on the webinar is digital asset, dig digital tools, you know, and, and all of the tools that are at our disposal and how much are we actually utilizing of the tools that we have? Like what, what aspects are we using? What are we not using? And Again, you know, the communication between the tools will also be helpful. So we still have a way to go, but I, I think that this was a great, um, I, I think that this was a great webinar and I, I really liked, you know, the, the pieces that they were talking about. I know we only got through a couple minutes of it uh, and what I'd like to do is, you know, we'll, we'll get back together and we'll do a second uh, recap of more of it, you know, and we'll go through, I think we probably only made it through about five minutes. And, and right, we talked really about four it. things that the panelists said. Yeah, but I, I, I like it. And I think the, the panelists are, did a really nice job, loved what they had to say. And it's great to have a cohesive message and people saying things and people identifying areas of need. So um, anyway, uh, thank you guys for tuning in. I appreciate you watching and listening to, you know, Greg and me talk about the state of addiction treatment. And we're going to continue to do this on different webinars, different podcasts, speaking engagements, and try to make sure that for those of you who don't have the ability to get to all of these or to listen to these webcasts and podcasts and all of these kinds of events, that you're kept in the loop of what's being done and what's being said. If you have any thoughts or feedback that you want to share, any ideas, or if you want to get on one of the panels, if you let us know, you can reach out to us um, either through this YouTube channel or through LinkedIn. I'm Mike Liftshots, and that, and we have Greg Kalin. And we're happy to get your opinions, your feedback. If you want to come on here and talk about webcast, you know, pod, podcasts and webinars and all of that, we'd love to have you too. And uh, we just want to have fun with all of this and share some good information. So thank you all for watching. <laughs>